Hi and welcome back to the Art Bystander. My name is Roland Philippe Kretschmar and I'm very excited to have two guests with me today, Peter Jardman and Alexander Stojanovsky, who are together with Axel Söderberg the founders of Public Service, a new gallery that opened in 2022 in central Stockholm. With that said, Peter and Alex, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. So we're recording this. It's uh, it's not even spring. Is it spring or is it uh, no, is it winter? Uh, we don't know. It's crazy, crazy times. Calendar-wise, <laughs> it's certainly spring, but it doesn't look like it. It's snowing outside here in Stockholm now. <laughs> so you guys are in the gallery, which is located where? It's in uh, central Stockholm, um, for anyone who knows the city, Östermalm's Toy. Um, it's a stone's throw away from, well, most things you'd want to see and experience in the city. And we have, we're fortunate enough to be located, yeah, just on the corner of a square. So uh, the gallery has some pretty nice views. Um, when you're done with looking at art, you can look out and see some exciting things happening yeah. outside. The address is still got on it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> And it's quite an iconic location, at least if you're um, used to banking on Estaman. <laughs> so it's, a, it's an old bank, basically, right? Oh. Yeah. We took over uh, Handelsbanken, yeah. this uh, old, old space here, and they were uh, in the gallery for over 100 years. Yeah. Mm. And it's a bit of a homecoming for me because my first job after school was actually uh, at Handelsbanken. Ah, okay. I'm very blessed to be able to take over now. <laughs> Let's get back into that uh, a bit later. But okay, so <clears throat> very centrally located, new gallery, great location, an old bank. There's even a vault in the in the cellar. So yeah, it, it's a beautiful location that has also been uh, designed together with uh, Hallerud. How did you end up working with Hallerud? Well, it was um, they're actually very close to our third partner, uh, Axel, who's who's not on here uh, today. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the suggestion came from from him but i mean we're very much big fans of of pretty much everything they're doing we think they're great and working with something that's in art uh was new to them as well so it was uh, a learning experience for well both us and them which was exciting to do together uh develop Mm. the identity and concept and actually see the whole thing uh come to come to life all right, but listen, uh, for anyone listening to the show, uh, hopefully after this uh, conversation today, you will feel um, the urge to go to uh, public service on Esma's tour. But now, Peter and Alex, where did you guys meet? Well, I mean, we uh, we know each other uh, uh, from from the past, and uh, then we've also uh, worked we both, before. Yeah, now we can say we're, we're both from Skåne, we're both the same age. We kind of <laughs> we grew up from like... 15 minutes away from each other yeah down yeah yeah so any international listeners gone is the southernmost tip of sweden very close to copenhagen that's where mm. we're from so you guys knew each other from childhood basically not childhood but we had our paths had crossed yeah. um mm. but then i was i was abroad for a long time and then after coming back yeah. Uh, so to... when, when, yeah, when peter moved back with his wife from london then that's when mm. we started hanging out mm. here in stockholm and then the, yeah. the, the whole idea came about to open our own space. Yeah, um, exactly. We, 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 that's been a little seed that was planted quite early on and discussed and uh, dreamed about. And yeah, now we're here. You worked at CFL together as well, right? 
It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So was that kind of the moment where you, the pivotal moment where you decided we can do this better? <laughs> well, those are your words, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, no, but we, we, had, we were talking about something that was to us a pretty clear idea of what we wanted to do. Um, mm. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it was just something that we were, we were excited about, well, starting this thing that, you know, public service now is. And um, that grew, obviously, a lot when we were also working closely together. Um, we were talking about it yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, you could, you could say that. But there yeah. also kind of the, the first thing that we connected over instantly was our passion for art. Mm -hmm. Passion for collecting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think uh, if we're not passionate about art, people would distrust us <laughs> in terms of running a gallery. <laughs> well, yeah, makes sense. So, I mean, Peter, I, I, you, you have an international background. You, you worked at some auction houses, right? And um, yeah. uh, can you explain a little bit your, your kind of background in the art industry? Sure. Um, well, I mean, I'm art historian um, by training, uh, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and um, then... Uh, a master's degree in London sort of took me over there, um, which was a hybrid between, well, you could say finance and art in a sense. And mm -hmm. uh, and from from there, I wasn't exactly sure where I would be going, but I ended up staying for some uh, yeah, eight, eight, nine years uh, oh, okay. in London. Hmm. Uh, working, as you said, uh, with a few, uh, a couple of the big auction houses uh, in various, various types of roles. And... Um, also worked with um, research and art market analytics um, so I've been kind of uh, for a while I was on the intersection between well the worlds of art and finance in mm -hmm. a yeah and this is um, <clears throat> one of my passion topics as well so let's get back to the, the bit later want to unbox a bit your view of the art market let's see where we get with that um, but how come you you moved back to Sweden then um, it it was I mean many different things kind of converging, uh, but that decision was was taken. Um, it was a little bit real Brexit was around the corner, the pandemic, uh, and yeah, uh, me and my wife we'd been there uh, for quite a while and felt that it was time for something new. And um, she's not from here, and she was uh, I was very happy that she she agreed to try it out Sweden that is. And Alex, um, yeah. what what kind of uh, took you into the art world? I have a completely different background. I used uh, in my previous life before working at a gallery here in Stockholm. I was a banker. I have a corporate finance background, and I used to work with with uh, taxation. Hmm. So the thing that brought me to this world was the, the sheer passion of it. I've mm -hmm. always been very passionate about art and. Ever since like a young age, I've always been able to go to museums and galleries. So and then I, I met one of the owners at the previous gallery, and we together like hit it off and decided I should go and work for him. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the yeah, because that's that's basically my question. Like the art world can be, <clears throat> let's say, a bit um, traditionalist. So opening up the doors for a. A banker or financier how was that i mean i, I don't know I, I i'm not really sure that i agree with you it's kind of like i, I think the no, the notion of it is that it is conservative it's like uh, just here in stockholm there are a lot of galleries that have a 
corporate finance background. So is is I, I I I don't know if I agree that it's so conservative as you say. Mm. It's like we were basically running a company, and like we we just happened to dealing with art rather than something else. You you know, a, a banking background is always a good idea. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, what do you say? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure banking background is the only thing that, that uh, but uh, no, I mean, uh, various sort of uh, other business areas, uh, there are a lot of examples uh, here and, and elsewhere in the world where people, mm. they're, they're bitten by the art bug and uh, maybe a passion that turns into something, something else. And uh, yeah, then uh, you end up uh, running a gallery all of a sudden. Mm. But can I ask you, I mean, <clears throat> so where, where you basically... Uh worked together at CFL, that's not really a gallery, it's kind of more of an art dealership. And now you're running a gallery. What's your view on the difference? And why did you decide to run a gallery, not an art dealership? Uh, or do, or is it an art dealership? No, no, it's 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 a gallery. Um, we we are planning to to work with representation, which is mm -hmm. the, big, uh, the big thing, sort of the big difference between the two, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Um, so a gallerist works first and foremost for the artist, um, whereas well, a, a dealer is has many many different sort of uh, people's need they need to tend to. You know? Yeah, but I think that the easiest way to, to kind of to describe it is like as Peter said, like as a gallerist, you're always in the interest of the artist. As a dealer, mm -hmm. usually the interest of your your client, which is the mm -hmm. buyer. Or the selling. Yeah. So, I mean, um, if, if we go a bit deeper then, so why did you decide to start a gallery then re and, and with the ambition of, of also representing artists? Um, it's it's harder than running a dealership, maybe, isn't it? And there are, I think, different challenges to, to the two sort of models, in a sense. Uh, but at the core of it, I think we were very, or we are very passionate about the artists of our generation. And mm -hmm. if you want to work with them and want to work with them long term, uh, like be a part of their development, their growth and, you know, help them come to their true full potential, then it's, it's a gallery that you should yeah. be. Uh, mm -hmm. Because then it's it's a partnership. Uh, mm -hmm. You hold hands and you you sort yeah. of build something together with the artists. Um, mm -hmm. A dealership wouldn't really do that in the same sense. I, I must be honest, kind of reading about it and kind of speaking to people. <laughs> it's not just speaking to you guys, <laughs> which I'm doing only now. It was a bit unclear to me whether it was like a proper gallery or more of a dealership. So for, yeah. for us, so. If you go onto our website, let's say, like there's not going to be, you know, represented artists just yet because mm. we've, we've said to ourselves and to most of well, everyone we're working with now that um, we need to also prove ourselves for a bit before it's fair to ask anyone to sign up with us. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a lot of people like the ones we've already worked with and somewhere sort of in discussion and the plan for the future sort of exhibitions where, you know, we have... A lot of interest of people working sort of uh, more long term with us and mm. um, I, I feel it's only fair or we feel it's only fair to um to show a little bit what you know what we're worth before asking anyone mm. for that yeah so before we um talk more about the artists that you have shown and will show 
you have a third co-founder, Axel Söderberg. So is that an old friend or how, how did you kind of end up doing business together? We, um, we, the, how did we meet? We met, we met through common friends actually. Hmm. And then we just kind of like start the kind of the, the whole idea or notion of doing something, the three of us together kind of grew naturally. Yeah, it, it grew naturally, but it was also, uh, well, sorry for the expression, but a little bit love at first sight. We had a, mm -hmm. a, a lunch. I think yeah. it was the second time you discussed this project with him. First yeah. time for me. And literally over that lunch, we shook hands and said, uh, we'll yeah. open a gallery together. Mm. Yeah, That's fantastic. So what, what brought him to this? I mean, the same, the passion for art? Yeah, he, he, he's, he, he's, always, uh, he's always also been very like, passionate about it. And yeah. Uh, the ambition has always been there, but he is a kind of, it's hard to like. Yeah, it's a personal thing. Yeah. I mean, primarily for him, he, yeah. he collects, he's very passionate mm -hmm. about that. And, um, you know, now, so he'd had uh, an interest in being, let's say, involved in the art world, uh, but that was never going to be, you know, him doing it. So he wanted to find an interesting way of... A partnership. Yeah, a partnership. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, for the listeners, Axel Söderberg is... Um... Uh, one of the owners of Nordiska Galeriet Group, so basically a group of uh, furniture store, ad agency, um, furniture production, Dusty Deco. I mean, there's there's a lot of different companies in the group, uh, and I guess um, th there's also this kind of potential of collaborating across two companies, or yeah, maybe not. Also, for us, it's an incredible luxury to be a part of a bigger, like bigger picture, a bigger family mm. that Nordiska Group is. So together with Axel, me and Peter, we have kind of like have been able to have uh, this um, kind of collaboration together. Yeah, mm. yeah, we've set out on this journey yeah. together. Mm. All right, but listen, um, if we go back to the gallery and the arts, you've exhibited Oliver Sundqvist, Jenny Politi just uh, finishing off that exhibition last week, right? Uh, and mm. now we have Sally um, Schindberg. Uh, exhibiting from next week onwards. But if we go through these three artists, is there like a common thread to these three from you, from your point of view? And they're kind of fit into our program that is very um, international, international. There's a lot of like young <laughs> mid career artists that we're going to work together with that usually have never shown in Scandinavia or Stockholm before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, for, Oliver, the first artist we exhibited with, uh, he's Danish, he's obviously exhibited in Scandinavia before, but mm. this was the, the biggest sort of uh, Swedish show. And uh, then Gianni Politi, an Italian artist, is uh, never exhibited here before. And now on to Sally, who is, who is a Swede, who's actually mm. Swedish, been living in, in the UK, in London for, for a long time. Uh, and she's never exhibited here. Um, so this is the first, it's a homecoming in a sense for yeah. her. Yeah, she has an MFA from Goldsmiths uh, from London, in London, yeah. right? So how did you kind of end up meeting her, for example? I mean, was there like through a network or how, how do you scout well, artists? Well, she, 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 <laughs> Sally had been on a radar for a very long time, mm. but then was it last summer we had, a, <clears throat> we had the luxury of being able to hang out in London together. And then mm. the kind of like, we decided of like, maybe we should do something together. This is the right time to do it. Mm. So. It was a kind of like a very easy mm. 
No, I mean, we, but uh, uh, the core of your question there, how do we, how do we scout and how do we look and who do we talk to? Mm. Uh, we we um, definitely use uh, relationships or network, um, mm. but there are some where we just start conversation without, you know, um, any direct link. Um, there's perhaps always a common friend somewhere, but that you can <laughs> reference. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but but sometimes uh, we just kind of uh, we find uh, someone that we're super into and we start sort of a conversation. Usually it's not you know hey do you want to exhibit with us? It's a conversation about their art, their practice, uh, what mm -hmm. they've been up to, and. Uh, then you see yeah. because it's also personal chemistry in terms between like the yeah, gallerist and, so. and the artist so mm. uh, you can both be brilliant but if that chemistry isn't there um, yeah. the product of what you do together is not necessarily going to become mm. brilliant again out of curiosity Peter you worked at Art Tactic right? yeah that's true yeah so how much do you analyze the kind of the market <laughs> potential then? <laughs> I mean, um, we, we, we don't look at anyone we want to exhibit in, in that way. Mm. Um, but of course, it's, it's hard to, to sometimes take the analyst out of, out of me in terms mm. of, like, I'm very used to thinking about, I don't know, like a, a network model, uh, sort of around every artist, like, you know, who's there, who have they mm -hmm. exhibited? Like, I've, I think Alex immediately looks at the picture and I immediately look at the CV, uh, if we put mm -hmm. it that way. Yeah, uh, that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But I think it's also uh, then um, it gives the artist security because obviously at the end of the day, a gallery is a commercial platform for the artist, right? So if they can feel that you're really looking at it from different angles and especially the commercial angle, it must give them security. So, I mean, I, for, I'm, I'm very positive about it, but I would assume that, let's say, some more um, traditional galleries without the analytical or financial background might uh, be a bit skeptical. Well, I mean, it's it's just an analytics in that sense is perhaps what you used to call research. And I think there are a few like galleries that have been around and are like, that have been, become successful where, you know, research is not very much a big part of what they do. Uh, mm -hmm if I'm totally honest. Um, and that comes with uh, everything from looking at the artist to sort of where you might identify opportunities to exhibit in terms of institutions, biennales, and so on. Like, uh, mm. it's all based on some sort of research, right? Yeah. And Alex, I mean, from your then, um, let's say, aesthetic point of view, what yeah. do you like? Is that even a question I can ask? I don't know. Yeah, and, 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 and is that a question I can answer? But uh, yeah. for me, it's, it's usually a gut feeling. It's kind of like mm. either, you have, kind of like, either you feel it or you're not. It is, for me, it's kind of like, it's hard to analyze it in a more kind of intellectual way than that. Either you feel something when you see it or you don't. And when mm -hmm. you do, you know, you want to continue on mm. working with this person. Yeah, that's kind of like the uh, easy way of putting it for me. It's kind of like an emotional connection mm -hmm. with what you see. Yeah, I think for for me the same thing is uh, when I see something that I haven't seen before. When I feel that there's a new language in a sense, like because um, everyone is obviously borrowing in terms of. I mean, in the art world, like there's always references to the past or 
inspirational artists and so on but um some like those those few precious moments where you see something that's just like wow this is this mm-hmm. is true it's new i've never seen this way of expressing yourself before i mean that's usually what gets gets me going so i mean sally she's done um a lot of shows, I mean, a long, long, long list of group exhibitions globally from, I mean, all over the world. She's done, uh, if I count, around 10 solo exhibitions also around the world. But, but what draw you, uh, kind of draws you to Salad and what, what's in her kind of uh, art that makes you tick? I, mean, uh, I would say, like, I, I love the fact that she kind of, like, plays with the kind of high, lowbrow culture of art world in paintings. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, she's a, primarily a painter, right? So yeah, yeah, and she mm. paints very figuratively. Mm-hmm. Humor, humor is a lot for me. Mm. She's very, into, she's very smart. She's very intellectual, but mm. she kind of like uses her paintings in a as a kind of fun gateway to that to make fun of it. Mm. Yeah. That would uh, be a, an easy way of yeah. And everyone else will just have to come and see it. Yeah, to yeah. understand what Alex has said. I mean. Again, this this is not uh, <laughs> kind of any criticism, just a reflection that your three exhibitions now are very Instagram friendly. Is that like a strategy? Thank you. It's music, <laughs> music to my ears. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, if we put it this way, it, it's it's certainly not a requirement when we when we look for for artists to exhibit or work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think um, uh, Oliver might be the one uh, where we can say that we, we we definitely talked about. So that was our opening show, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. As we we talked about that having to be something that is a little that bit too bold, yeah, yeah that, a little that translates bit. well on picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not just on picture, just in general. Like it's a um, that kind of a little bit too much, a bit too bold, a bit yeah. too colorful, perhaps for for the. Um, Stockholm Swedish taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I would say that we today you have to also stand out, right? Yeah. It's hard to run a gallery. It's hard to be an artist. So any kind of uh, visibility is good, right? Yeah, but I, I would say also perhaps we picked this uh, discussion up uh, when we've done a year. Uh, mm-hmm. A bit hard to say after two shows <laughs> and the third mm-hmm. one coming. Uh, Especially as you haven't seen it all, I mean, yeah. uh, what we're going to be exhibiting in the future. Yeah. So is there something you can tell us, I mean, me, the audience, about the future program? Well, we could we could say, so now this spring, uh, leading up to the summer, we have uh, After Sally, an American, a New York-based uh, artist uh, called uh, Kevin Claiborne. Mm-hmm. Uh, next. Um, it will be a little bit different from from uh, the most recent two uh, in terms of it being a little bit more on political side uh, in yeah. a sense and then following on Kevin's show um, there's a group show that is curated uh, by sort of an external person uh, a friend of ours mm-hmm. uh, who's been around in the art world quite a lot mm-hmm. um, and that is uh, something that we're planning on having as almost like a regular thing to to invite uh, someone from somewhere else for like perhaps one of the exhibitions each season mm-hmm. and just open up the space to be an interesting platform for an exchange of you know exhibitions expressions and so on 
Um, so that could be another gallerist that might do a care of, or it could be some well taste maker or, or curator mm. uh, or just someone in the industry sort of. Uh, yeah, but I like but, that approach, definitely. And I'm also very happy about Kevin Claymore, an African-American artist, conceptual artist. Um, I, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't know a lot about him, but I've at least heard about him and I applaud any gallery in, in Scandinavia that kind of brings in international art and especially from, uh, you know, African-Americans or other kind of non-white communities. So that's going to be very yeah. exciting. Great. Well, mm. we um, we look very much uh, forward to uh, to Kevin's show, but uh, first now we have uh, Sally's opening uh, in a few days. Yeah. Great. So, um, what what date does it open again? Uh, Sally opens on the thirty first and thirty first. Yeah. Yes. So for March. anyone listening, thirty uh, first of March until twenty eighth of April. Fantastic. Great. So you're gonna get all the links also in the show notes. But now I I'm curious about um, the art market. So Peter, <laughs> now you have to open up your brain here. Uh, so what do we think about the art market? You worked at auction houses and there's a lot of criticism in the art world, especially from gallerists, uh, because auction houses are also now doing first party sales and, you know, not even representing artists, which is kind of weird. Um, but there's, I mean, there's a big shift basically in, in, in how money is flowing in, in, in the art world where the auction houses are taking over more and more. And I'm also seeing a lot of, um, young emerging artists uh, bypassing gallerists or dealers selling directly through Instagram or you know other means so there's quite of interesting shifts at least from the way I look at it but I'm just a bystander that's <laughs> the name of the podcast right you're an insider no but I mean um, the uh, there's definitely a lot of interesting uh, shifts going on in the market uh, or in the, the art world uh, as such I mean for for quite a while social media has been increasingly important not just in promoting but also in selling um, art of course um, but not just social media there are various you know platforms and tools out there where mm -hmm. you you can reach a greater audience uh, around the world than you ever could before through mm -hmm. like regional newsletter or whatever. Um, so of course, I mean, we're very much part of that, but I mean, we're also, we're brick and mortar galleries, so we're perhaps going against the trend of like these nomadic spaces where mm -hmm. galleries leave their, their physical space and they do sort of pop-ups. Um, and instead, where we put a lot of time and effort and energy into creating like a unique space that that we're really proud of. Um, so we're not only uh, sort of part of the new um, in that sense. We're uh, mm. we're here to stay. <laughs> mm. But I mean, if we talk about broader platforms like, like Artsy and you know, like these these bigger online platforms. Um, are they diluting the value of art? Because I mean, there's so many artists on these platforms and there's no clarity, like on the price strategies, like high and low. And you know, it's big, big question in a sense. I, I think it's, it's, if you only look at artsy, you're only getting like a very small part of what the art world is, to mm -hmm. be honest. I mean, there are so many galleries who are not on that or other platforms, I should say, we shouldn't mm. just promoting one. <laughs> uh, but, um, but it's an interesting tool for 
like uh, searching around, you can get a pretty quick sort of understanding of what certain galleries are showing, uh, mm. what their sort of aesthetics or identities in a sense by looking there. And obviously, if you have specific artists you're interested about, you can you can go on sort of seeing where they are, um, where they're exhibiting. Mm -hmm. Well, visibility now is for for first time ever is much easier to find what you like than you know, yeah. ever been before. So yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. We always see it as something yeah. that helps helps us. But I mean, I guess that's also why <clears throat> auction houses have become so big because it it's let's say. Um, traditional arena for for buying and selling art uh, and but, but, but then again we've seen examples in the last 10 20 years where basically um, the value of artists have been slashed because you know they, it, it just doesn't pick up on the auction house market and that, that's also quite complicated but then on the other hand if you're just looking at the numbers and analytical and let's say very rational about it you could say hey well it's it's the kind of the market who decides the value but I mean, you—it's—it's uh, it's the same on the secondary mar or the auction market, mm. uh, the the reselling of works in a sense. Like that is—it's—it's it's not giving an accurate picture of of the sort of art world or art market either. Uh, that's one part. And for like the really big international artists, um, then of course it's it's in a way a good sort of indicator of a fair market value or a market value of an artist but for for many younger artists like there are some you just never see at auction because like no one wants to sell them yeah but that that, that i mean basically it's the, it's the second market i'm i'm referring to that can kind of kill the the value of an artist but it can also uplift an artist right it can give the artist like a global arena yeah but i mean if if Sure, um, you can you can have sort of this kind of meteoric meteoric sort of um, uh, price uh, evolution in a sense, mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that you know your CV is following that. Like mm. uh, market validation and institutional validation are very different things, and for long term like good development or success of an artist's career, like. I would say you need both. Uh, you need the mm. uh, fairs, uh, you know, the gallery exhibitions, obviously, like collectors being mm. interested, but you also need uh, the critics and mm. uh, you need museum exhibitions and, mm. and, you know, all of that. It's quite common that um, galleries kind of force buyers, collectors to uh, <laughs> not selling art for a couple of years to kind of maintain value on the secondary market. What do you, you think a, about that practice? You mean a right to first refusal? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just a way to, to protect your artist from like, uh, flippers, in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, and what's a flipper for the audience? I mean, uh, I mean, if someone who, for some reason, would have access to a very hot sort of uh, up and coming artist where there's a discrepancy between primary market prices, as in gallery prices, and mm -hmm. the secondary market prices. So all the ones who couldn't get access to like the most recent show or something. Mm. Um, so basically like flipping a Rolex is the same. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Making a quick buck. Making a quick buck mm. on someone else's work. So you guys think that that kind of system is valid because it kind of protects 
artist basically yeah but it's it it goes both ways i mean it protects mm. it protects um uh, an artist uh, you know long term absolutely um but um i mean you also you you don't have all this focus on just the pricing of the art uh, because that is perhaps the least interesting when you actually like talk about the art uh, mm -hmm. So sometimes it can be, you know, way too much focus on uh, these explosions and it's all just prices mm. on how much it's sold for and so on. Alex, I mean, how, how much do you think this impacts the, crea the creative process of an artist? The whole, I mean, market element and, you know, pricing. Well, obviously, and... like an artist doesn't live in, uh, in isolation. They're very kind of also affected of kind of outside speculation of pricing like everything else mm. as peter said i think it's like a very kind of useful tool to protect the artist from from kind of people interested in making like flipping works and making a quick buck out of it so i mean what 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 inspires you just like a general question i mean it could be even outside the art world but where do you draw inspiration that's a good question. I mean, uh, to be honest, right now, um, biggest inspiration is coming from all of the the, art the artists who um, who actually put their faith in us when I mean before this space was here when we mm -hmm. didn't have a website when we all we had was a blueprint, uh, a vision, and uh, you know uh, an idea of what we wanted to to achieve. Um, that that was um, I'm, I'm you know we're very grateful for them putting uh, their trust in us because literally everyone now uh, and some in the autumn as well like they they agreed to um, uh, to do a show with us or to work with us uh, long before there was mm -hmm. a space and a program and a website and mm -hmm. anything so that's that's definitely some inspiration yeah. for sure yeah. And the artist energy kind of wears off on you as well when you kind of feel mm -hmm. how passionate they are. You know, kind of like helps you yeah. re-energize mm. every month. Yeah. So if if a listener is is smitten by the art bug uh, but has let's say zero experience in collecting, how should they start? It's usually always like <clears throat> to educate yourself, to go and see as much as you can. Yeah these days at least go into a gallery still for free yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and i think when, when was I that a political it, comment about the museum <laughs> no but i mean i think uh, and educate in in that sense is not that you have to you know go to school or it's not yeah. about reading art history books it's just about seeing yeah, yeah. Uh, talking experiencing uh, yeah. being immersed in you know, an exhibition here or museum show there. Um, mm. See as much as possible um, and talk. I mean, we're yeah. we're here to uh, talk about the art, and uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that every other gallerist in the city and around the world would say the same thing. Like, yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I, I've been speaking to a lot of friends in the in the gallery space about this, the, the kind of the prejudice about the <clears throat> white box of the art gallery that you know where the very difficult staff sitting there you know not smiling and maybe not even saying hello to you when you enter and you know kind of uh it it, it feels sometimes a bit of a hostile environment but at the end of the day i mean uh, 
as you say, you're there to educate, to to help, to coach, to also sell. It, I mean, this, is it yeah. really a hostile place? I've, I've heard it before. I'm, I'm I'm always very like intrigued when people say kind of they feel scared or the it's mm. a hostile environment. Like what makes it? Yeah, it's, it's usually just the like, lighting. <laughs> it's too bright. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting older, and we need to have the harsh lights. <laughs> but it's good to know that you guys are at least very open for visitors. Uh, you know, I think this conversation could go on forever. Uh, there's so much more I would like to unbox, but it is quite of a short format, Dark Bystander. Um, so. Peter and Alex, uh, I think it's been good to getting to know you. Uh, I'm very happy that you have op uh, opened your space in Stockholm. I think it brings a lot of uh, new energy to the scene. So that's great. Thank you. And I'm very much looking forward for Sally Schindberg opening uh, March 31st, running until April 28th at Public Service Gallery, Estman's Tory 1. Right. Great. Fantastic. So uh, with that said, uh, thank you, Alex. Thank you, Peter. This was The Art Bystander. My name is Rola Flip Kretschmer, and see you soon. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao.